Is this thing on? The machine seems to say it's on. So, alright. Hi, and welcome to episode one of our podcast, This Is Not The Way. My name is Chris Thomas, and I am often here with my colleague, Courtney Klaus. This Is Not The Way is about all of these things that happen around us that don't happen well, and often because people are not very ethical. And that's something that we could say is a human trait, that we get lost, that we're egotistic, but in reality, we seem to screw up a lot and we seem to do a lot of damage to people around us. So we try to dive in a little deeper than your average Zuckerberg news wrap-up notification. Often we're talking about problems that you could term as wicked problems, and that just means that they're multifaceted. They have lots of different inputs, sometimes lots of different stakeholders. Think about something like obesity across the world, and especially in Australia. How do you solve a problem like obesity that's causing so much harm to all of us? But we also look at particular companies that are in the news. We look at behavior that we find is unethical, sometimes reprehensible, sometimes corrupt, and basically just piss poor because we want to talk about these things because we think that people should get a little bit more annoyed about some of the behavior that occurs, both in corporate, but in government and across society. And how do we sometimes think about taking steps to change that sort of behavior? My background, it's engineering, it's a bit of strategy. I've had failed startups, a successful startup. Uh, underneath all of that though, I guess just a, a, a real interest in things like political philosophy, but also ethics. The real brains of this is Courtney Klaus. He will now proceed to tell you something amazing about himself. Hi, my name's Courtney. I'm an accountant, I'm a business owner, I'm a not-for-profit consultant and a teacher of CPA candidates, which has a strong focus on ethics and business and a little bit of strategy. And I love to explore a whole range of issues and link them to accounting topics so that the future generation of accountants are wise, prepared and make good decisions. But often they don't. And uh, that is a constant cause of frustration for me. So you think they don't now always make the best decisions? I think that accountants in general and humans even more broadly consistently make foolish decisions. And there's good reasons for that. And ethics is a great explainer of that. We are self-interested beings. We put ourselves first. We can't think about the long term. We're very predictable in our stupidity. Yeah, that's true. We pick on politicians for not thinking about the long term and an election cycle of three years or four years. But basically, as humans, we do pretty much the same thing. All the time. Yeah. And, and if you see teenagers, I mean, if a teenager's smoking and you say you shouldn't smoke, the, the main reason they'll quit smoking is because it's expensive, not because it's killing them. They can't see their future self in 10, 20, 30 years' time with emphysema. They laugh at the packets with the diseased legs and they think it couldn't possibly be them. We are very Have we almost fixed that wicked problem? Almost, except have a look at vaping. Uh, the last concert I went to was fantastic. It was Lord, because uh, I like that kind of music. And everyone was vaping horrendously. So was You were allowed to vape in the venue? It was, yeah. Oh, right. Relentless. And, and people vaped incessantly. There were some people who could not stop vaping for the whole show. So we solved one problem kind of with another problem. It means Lord doesn't need to bring dry ice to the gig. It's just steam of watermelon and peach. Absolutely, and which, which is better else. than the old days when you get the stinky waft of other sort of 
edible kind of component. Uh, it's a it's a better smell than uh, than cigarettes. Yeah. All right. But today's first episode, something topical. It's in the news. Price Waterhouse Coopers, because well, they've got a problem. For those of you uh, living under a rock, PwC is a large auditing firm. Except they also claim to be a strategy firm, a tax firm, a tech firm, HR advice and everything else. They sit up there with Ernst & Young, Kleinveld, Pete Marwick, Girdler, because I didn't actually know what KPMG stood for, and Deloitte. There are others, but these are the big four, as they get called, and they are in the crap again. This time, though, it's weirdly different. A person called Peter Collins was the head of international tax, which of course means tax minimization for clients. Then the government said, hey Pete, could you come and help us with some major new legislation to crack down on tax avoidance? I stupidly thought that meant that Pete Collins had left PwC, but from what I've read, no, he was actually still there. So they've invited this senior person to come into uh, meetings. He signed a confidentiality agreement that you promise, of course, that you won't tell anyone back at PwC head office. And, you know, we're all good. Sure thinks, Peter, I'll sign that and then do exactly the opposite. So Pete tells all his mates at PwC and they in turn get the best people on advising multinationals how to get around the new proposed government rules. Uh, okay, one of the first things I want to ask then, Courtney, is this idea of altruism as something that accountants should be able to always have as part of the way they work and the the idea of the social contract and basically what do you think has it gone out the window yeah it this is a great insight into the claims that the profession makes about being altruistic serving the public interest really caring being independent and objective and then this harsh reality of just deep self-interested kind of corrupt behavior which in the long term just doesn't pay off it, it was the, the detection of this issue, it, it's taken six, seven, eight years to really hit the papers, but straight away they flagged that they'd done something dishonest because after the budget uh, was announced and they talked about clamping down on these tax issues, within I think 15 minutes, PwC was emailing their clients with advice. So it was pretty obvious they'd cheated. So if you're going to cheat, you would think do something where you don't get caught. Why do they have to do it within 15 minutes? I guess they wanted to get the jump on all the other competitors in the market. They wanted to win. But so altruism, this idea of doing what is right and good, regardless of the impact on yourself. So this idea of the objective, independent observer. Think about it. Whenever you watch a, a football match or a sporting match, you want the referee to referee fairly and impartially. Who cares if they support the team or not? They just implement the rules. And that makes the game work really well. And in the business world, that's what we want our accountants to do. We want them to look at the rules, implement them, or show people or hold, hold things accountable, prepare the reports, prepare the advice, give the information so that everyone else can get on with doing what they're doing. And yeah. when the accountants stop playing like that, if you've ever played sport and felt the referee is biased, you want to kill them, and both teams are, get really, really frustrated. And that's the issue we've got. Yeah. And of course... We got a, a, a Senate inquiry, so they drag the CEOs of these firms up before that to, to have a go. I think the Ernst and Young gentleman, uh, the CEO David LaRocca, was up there yesterday, and um, 
they're having a go at him about his salary. I, I think that's not on point. But yeah, he's saying, well, EY's is Ernst Young. We're, we're not the same. But of course, these guys just go from one scandal to another. You can, you can Google it and you can find a big long list on Wikipedia or another dozen sites. Um, yeah, EY, Wirecard. Those clever guys have started a payments firm for the gambling and pornography industries. German company, who would have thunk? Uh, they were the auditors and they, they missed a simple but massive fraud going on inside the company. The only reason it was finally found, uh, I read, was that the Financial Times started running stories on fictitious third-party sellers and then KPMG were appointed to do another audit. And after that, EY had to come back and then they do that restatement of, a, of accounts because yep. it's, yep. so it's so far out. So, you know, KPMG, they're the good ones. No, so, they no, were the they, auditors of Carillion. They, they all have these, these major issues because they are inherently having a conflict of interest. What happens is the company appoints the auditors and the auditors are supposed to do good work. But there's a, a basic proverb, don't bite the hand that feeds you. So these people are paying you money. If you are known in the industry as someone who does a tough, rigorous audit, who's going to hire you for the next time? They want you to sign off on their order. They want you to say, everything's great here. As soon as you ask too many questions or become too difficult, they will get rid of you. But not only do you lose the auditing revenue, you're in there selling, cross-selling these non-audit services, tax consultancy, business advice, uh, systems transformation, all of these other components to the big four are there being pushed. So audit is often your, your beachhead, your entry point into the organization. So you can sell more and more and more. So you can see these deep conflicts of interest are built in to the auditing relationship. How much trouble do you think PwC are actually in? Because I, I will always be the cynical, more cynical one out of the two of us that the news cycle will go for so long and then it will stop or our treasurer seems quite pissed off, but you know, one person, do you think they're actually in trouble? I, I think they are. And I'm quite keen for that to happen. What's sad is it's taken so many years to come to light, but now it's building its own momentum. As people dig further, I think they're getting more and more irritated and frustrated and betrayed. And I think there's two major issues here. It's not just one person breaching confidentiality. If that was the case, we'd be okay. But it's far, far worse. This is an organization where the tone at the top, the CEO, the partner level, the executive, the directors, they are across this. They know it's happening and they're pushing for it. So their whole organizational culture has to be one of do whatever it takes to win the work. So if you're an ethical person, how are you going to survive in that organization? Yeah. You have no chance. So any senior executive in that organization is most likely a particular type who fits in. And that kind of person is one who will do anything to win the deal, regardless of the ethics. So as an organization, I don't think they should exist. There will be talented staff within that organization. They're not all gonna you know, live destitute and be homeless. They can go and work for other organizations that have the right culture, the right people, the right discipline. And, and this will discipline the industry. PwC goes under, especially in Australia. I think that's fantastic because what it says to all of the others is you have to do your job properly or you lose your social license to operate. We will not trust you. And everyone thinks it can't happen, but 20 years ago it did with Anderson. Yeah. They were so bad that no one could ever use them again because you can't trust anything they signed off on. Now, any person who uses PwC in the next five years, how could you trust a single thing they do? So what's the point of paying an independent third party who's supposed to be trustworthy 
when they can't be trusted. And you can't just say it's a few bad apples because this was endorsed by the senior executive. It was encouraged. And then when it came out, it was hidden, uh, obfuscated, protected. The amount, so so don't tell me that that this is a one-off event. This is deeply ingrained. And I would love to see that organization no longer be involved in, in the accounting profession in Australia in its current form. Ouch. Yeah, it's because it's so incredibly frustrating because if they're not, if they're allowed to continue, it says, oh yeah, we keep doing the dodgy stuff. We'll get a slap on the wrist and we keep going. Oh, absolutely. We're talking hundreds of millions of dollars of tax revenue. You get hired to help stop the tax revenue from leaking from these mega corporations who are making billions and billions of dollars of profit and paying virtually nothing. So we try and claw some of that back and and they screw us. Like, it's horrendous. And and literally the very first line of the, the code of ethics says, you are expected as a member of the profession to act in the public interest. So you are supposed to act beyond just your client and serve all the stakeholders. We're in a society, not just an economy. We are not just there to help that client cheat on their tax. That's in the code of ethics. Absolutely. So this is a I don't see anyone can actually follow value. that. They are engaged by the client. They are going to act in the public interest and for all stakeholders, the bloody clients paying them for whatever the service is. I guess if, if you're a lawyer, yeah, the client pays you, you've done a crime, you pay the lawyer and they've got to get you off. Everyone understands that. That's, that's a legitimate part of the, the legal profession and it's expected. But here you're not allowed to advocate for the client. You have to advocate for what is the systems and the rules and the framework. You guide the client, you explain that to them and they have to operate within it. So for example, accountants can't advertise, we will help you get the lowest tax return. They're only allowed to help you properly claim all deductions you're allowed and yeah. use the tax laws effectively and honestly. But the idea of like, yeah, we'll help you cheat on your taxes. If you do that, what's the point in the accounting profession? You, it, there's no value in having a third party independent group if they can't be trusted. Yeah, because this, I never understand with, even with the public mood, this is about a guy taking a secret, telling his mates and then spreading it. And yet really what's been happening for, for decades are some serious piss poor audits and people covering stuff up. I mean, they do. They seem to get bigger fines in the in the UK. KPMG copped fourteen million pounds uh, when they audited Carillion, the big um, uh, construction materials company that that basically turned out to not be as big as it claimed. They forged documents. They tried to cover their tracks, and obviously thought they could get a get away with it. Deloitte copped a million pound fine for screwing up an audit, even though they were specifically told by the regulator to look for certain rebate issues to suppliers. Another building materials company called SIG. Um, All right, what about Eddie Stobart Logistics? Another one in in the UK. We're looking at you know PwC (laughs) nearly two million pound fine, down from three and a half million because they cooperated afterwards. Well, of course they're going to cooperate. They got caught. They were so (laughs) that's so lovely. (laughs) And uh, one PWC auditor, he got fined, oh, 51,000 pounds. Now that's going to really hurt. Maybe 100 grand Aussie, 150 grand Aussie. Now how yeah. much are auditors at the partner level getting? You've seen that in the, the current oh, Senate. Well, you assume most um, get a million and up. Yeah. I mean, the job of the partner is to bring in business. Absolutely. They, they sign a piece of paper saying, I take total responsibility for the whole audit. And then when it goes wrong, they say, oh, Junior Burger 
uh, stuff this up, but their their job is to bring in business. So we come around to this cross selling. Um, the the EY gentleman David uh, Larocca said, "No, nah, it's not going to work if you break us up, so that auditing um, at a, at one of these firms cannot be the same entity as strategy consulting, yeah. HR consulting, and, and whatever." It, it's horrendous. It it has to be broken up. We talk about it after the Enron and the Anderson disasters of the early 2000s in the US. There was talk of that and they wound it right back, these non-audit services. If you are an auditor, your job is to be a third party, independent, objective reviewer that can be trusted. And you sign off on these accounts. Now, you might think, oh, is that really important? You got stock market with billion dollar valuations of companies. Now in the US, we're up to trillion dollar valuations. When you have companies that are saying they are worth billions, people invest in them. And we've got more and more mum and dad shareholders than ever. So you're investing in a company and they've produced financials that say we actually made a profit. Now, can you trust that? If you don't trust it, you can't invest. The economy can't go. And we see how horrendous it is when we find out a company's been inflating their profits or yeah. manipulating and they go, they crashed. You know, we're going back a long time now, but Storm Financial, billions of dollars lost, people's life savings lost. Do we really want an economy where where billions of dollars get lost. We're seeing it now with the crypto frauds and, and those things. We don't want people to work their whole life and then blow their life savings on scams or investing in companies that are dishonest. So we want third party objective oversight that signs off and says you can trust these numbers. Now, as soon as they are conflicted, what is the point? I'd rather than do no audit, just go and be consultants. And, and anyone says, oh, we can't survive if we do that. Well, that's garbage. These guys are making over a million dollars up to $3 million at the top end. They absolutely know how to make a dollar. They oh, are yes. very clever people. So don't tell me that they, they all have to be integrated. And, and does government have the stomach for this? It depends how many of these auditors are sitting on government committees, how many politicians are waiting at the end of their career to go and work on one of these boards and be paid a million or two. Um, so there is deep... You know, whether you call it corruption, I don't know, or inherent conflicts of interest that we need to eliminate. There's a complete lack of morals. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, look at therefore... the code of ethics, pretty simple. So the first thing is act in the public interest. And then there's five key fundamental principles. They're pretty simple. Act with integrity. So that means honesty. Be, be honest and upright and straightforward. Well, we, that's not what we're seeing in the audits. It's not what we're seeing with the PwC issue. Uh, Respect confidentiality. Well, that's one of the top five. That got blown out of the water. Another one is to be objective. So that means you can't advocate for something. You can't get so intertwined that you lose your objectivity. It's the referee idea again. It's pretty simple stuff. And, and then people try to split hairs and go, oh, were they objective? Were they not? It's very simple. Is someone impartial? Are they acting without bias? Really simple to see. The, the most easy one to comply with is called professional competence and due care. Now, most accountants are technically strong. These auditors don't muck up because they're clueless. They muck up because they deliberately choose to not look at something or not investigate or not find out more. So uh, ethics theory tells us, um, teleological theory of egoism, uh, utilitarianism. They're pretty much the opposite, aren't, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, you know, Jeremy Bentham did all of his writing around utilitarianism, uh, making decisions for the greater good for all. I think that's pretty much his, his saying. Yeah. Uh, but it's bollocks. We all basically use the ethical 
line it is, of, but it of egos. I, I, I mean, you're always the more cynical. I, I mean, I'm, I think, harsher on the profession, and I'd love to see, like I said, PwC to, to disappear. I think that will be a huge wake-up call for everyone. But I'm a lot more optimistic in general. I think a lot of people want to do the right thing. But there is a lot of others who are greedy. They're self-interested. They aren't looking for the greatest good for the greatest number. If you want to work in business, ethical egoism, fantastic. Go and make a dollar. Within the rules of the law, make profit. Compete hard. Knock your competitors out of business because your product is so good and priced so low that they can't compete. That's fantastic. That's, that's capitalism, and, and I love it because the alternatives are horrendous. But not for government. Government are not the capitalists. They are the referees. They are the implementers. They are, think of cricket. They're the people at Melbourne or wherever it is at Lords where they, they write the rules of cricket and then you have the umpires. And cricket is only good if you have a good rule book and everyone follows the rules. And there's a bit of drama and a bit of theatre, but everyone knows how to play cricket. The, the oh, eye- so these accounting firms are like, Got their own sandpaper. Just about. Well, <laughs> well you can see. And, and, this scratch, and, and on, the, the on the cricket field, who cares if someone cheats with a ball? It doesn't really matter except if you're in a gambling syndicate. But <laughs> when, when it's real life and it's billion dollar economies at risk, we have to take this seriously. Now, if you go back 40, 50 years, if you were clever and you're at university, you sat your public service exam and the smartest people went into the best departments. And then you, you went down the list. So you might work at Premier and Cabinet or Prime Minister's office. And if you're really not so good, I, I better not name someone because if you work in that department, you'll be offended. But let's think of, there's some other departments that aren't so crash hot. And you aim for the public service. Oh, I can tell you about them. If you couldn't get into the public service, then you went into business. It was seen as a, uh, all right then. It was a higher calling. And the name is really clear, public service. You are a public servant. So you actually went into your job with the aim of building society, building the institutions. And and look, for all our criticism of Australia, it's pretty friggin' awesome (laughs) compared to a lot of other countries. We have rule of law. We have police that generally help you, not, not harass you. We can trust our systems and processes to look after us. But if we don't have institution builders, people who go and work in the public sector. Um, you know, you were talking before, the Defence Department has spent how many billions uh, on accounting contractors? For, in the last 10 years, Defence uh, has taken $4 billion out of the $8 billion that the Commonwealth has spent on these firms. That's that's what the contracts have been worth. On these accounting firms. In total firms. $10 billion when you bring in the states. I think New South Wales leads for its love of these, uh, these four firms. So here, here you've got a government and it's got $4 billion to spend. Why would you not build up the capacity of the most excellent and skillful public sector accountants to serve in the Defence Department? What, what does KPMG know about defence and all those others? Yeah, they'll, they'll have a team and they'll skill up. But defence procurement, especially, and that's where the money gets spent, so DMO, they spend billions of dollars a year. It's engineers building equipment, armouring things, making things happen. Now, public sector accounting is different to corporate accounting. Why not? Hire some very excellent grads. Spend 10, 20 years training them so your whole organisation is incredibly skillful. Train up your engineers so that they have accounting knowledge so that they can do this. Why not spend the $4 billion on building amazing public sector capacity rather than just lining the pockets of these, these partners? Well, many years ago, you taught some of these guys. 
yeah. the Department of Defence. Yeah, they're in charge. Are you still of... under a confidentiality no, agreement? No, but they, these people are often in, you know, 50 million contracts, $200 million, sometimes billion dollar contracts. They're engineers, they're passionate, they're committed to Australia and doing good engineering. Not always got the right level of, of accounting or finance knowledge of how oh, it works. You didn't teach accountants, you taught the engineers That's about right. finance and yeah. accounting. So to skill them up in There were no accountants. So, well, we, we would have been a small investment at upskilling. Now, what's that compared to $4 billion spent on external consultants? That money is spent. You don't get any internal capacity from that. You lose your intellectual knowledge. You know, anytime you want to solve a problem, you're like, oh, well, we can't do that in-house. We better call a big four. That's crazy. The whole, and that's not just defence. That's the whole of our governments. Why would you not want oh, internal saw, capacity? Yeah, I saw that in in state government. Yes, I have not worked for these companies. Just to declare that, I've worked with them, plus the boutique consulting firms like uh, Boston, um, but only in the strategy sense. The thing I always found hard is I, I remember one person from one of these companies. <laughs> A really nice guy, um, and he he came in from Singapore, and he basically just showed me. Well, what we'll do is we'll pull out one of these reports that's similar yeah. from another country that we've written for this change management project, yeah. Yeah. and then uh, we will um, copy paste copy paste the names. And often I've seen this in reports where we've paid good money for a report and somewhere towards the end they haven't remembered to change the previous client's name. Oh no, that happened. That happened in some of the auditing. <laughs> I think we went from um, oh, God, God, a defamation thing, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. We went from one <laughs> of these large four to another one and I wasn't involved in the audit but uh, uh, my GM or someone had said to me, oh yeah, they managed to forget to do find and replace properly in the report. Yeah. Horrendous. So That is horrendous. Yeah, but we accept it. But we pay top dollar for this horrendousness, which is extraordinary. But think about it. If you're a politician and you're on 150, 200 grand a year and you're looking for a really nice retainer at the end of your 20 years of service, you want to make sure that you've looked after the business community. They're going to appoint you to a board. They're going to make you part of a consultancy. They're going to use you to get access back into the government. So you're going to form a lobbying PR component and... It, it's very hard. So the idea of public sector and public service, I still love. I'm committed towards it. I would love to see that as a genuine, successful career path. But you know, now we're going to dive into universities and what's their purpose. You know, in Australia, we mock anyone who goes and gets an arts degree. It's seen as useless. Oh, what are you going to do? Work at Macca's after that? Because it's not technical training. Well, you don't normally go to university to just become a technician. You go to university to learn how to think, solve problems, understand the world, understand your place in history. There's there's so much more, and yet we, we don't celebrate that. We laugh at it. So until- That's a whole new podcast. <laughs> I have got a whole thing lined up for university bashing. All right. At the moment, I'm sticking with accounting Let's just bash the big four. Just so, can, they make, to, they okay. make substantial political yeah. donations to both parties. They do. So that, that has to go. They had that stupid oh, yacht race, don't they? They take them out on some oh. yacht, PwC, KPMG. Yeah. They, they used to take the treasurer out and yeah. these politicians. Yeah. Now, that is not, I'm not saying at all that that is uh, yeah. causing corrupt behaviour or anything. But you could just see this, this, this very close relationship intertwined and yeah. $10 billion over 10 years yeah. of contracts. Yeah. And well, look at the you know, state government in Victoria, we're in an interesting place. It's, it's funny when you read something, I think we're at $137 million net debt, but don't worry, it's going billion. to a billion. It's going to $174 billion in a few years' time. 
We're just casually talking about an extra 30, 40 billion dollars worth of debt. And yet we spend tons of money on, on all of these areas. And you've got to ask yourself, are we getting value for that? Isn't there a better way? Why? Why are we so happy to pay such top dollar? And don't forget, when they when they win these contracts, they don't send in the A team, they don't send in the B team, they send in the interns and the graduates, and they make it up as they go along. They get a little bit of guidance, and the partners go off and they go and win another deal. And that's yeah. that's the commercial side of it all. And and that's why I say in business, that's what you do. You take people out of lunch, you build relationships. That's how you win deals and good on you. And then hopefully deliver a great product and a great service. But when you're supposed to be an independent, objective reviewer and judge, how how can you do that properly? Be a consultant, be an auditor. You can't be both. It's, no. it's garbage. Do you think that we've set up young accountants with enough skills and do they have the experience when they run into these situations, whether it's inside this organization we're talking about today or other organizations, to know how to handle it, to know the framework to use and what steps to take? One of the things that is hard for an accountant, now in the old days you'd start the accounting program like when you're 27, 28. Now you're doing it at 22, 23. So in the old days, you had five years work experience. So when we discussed an ethical dilemma, they say, oh, I've seen that one. And when you discuss management accounting, they say, oh, yeah, I've worked on budgets. Now they haven't. They haven't worked on anything. So you're trying to tell them about the ethical issues they will face in the future. Humans are rubbish at that. They have to live it and experience it and then go, I get that. They need the boss to yell and swear at them and change the numbers. And then they go, oh, I know what that feels like. They Mm. need to know self-interest. They need to know intimidation threats. They need to know too much advocacy. Then when we give them the theory and the foundations and the guidance, then they can implement it. Do they get any of that theory in an undergraduate? It's there, but have a look at the quality of a lot of undergraduate degrees. I mean, it's technical accounting is quite hard and you can't pass unless you change the course in a way that you can pass. Because if you've got international students paying a ton of money and your government is wedded to making a ton of money from international students, you got to make the course easier. you got to find a way to get those people through. So the technical capability of a lot of these people or the level of work they've done is is going to be lower than uh, than you would like yep. to see. So um, I don't know if this is a wicked problem or a simple solution. Break them up. Yeah. PwC needs to basically dissolve. Absolutely. Um, all these people can go and get jobs with the others. So that was, the, the same uh, amount of work still exists. So, and don't forget, there used to be a big eight, then there was a big five, then Anderson yeah. blow up, then there's a big four. But the reality will be a, a second tier firm should grow up. Once you're at four, you're a cartel. Space. That's exactly what they are. We would love, there should be five or six or seven or eight to choose from because otherwise they're just, you're just cycling through. So yeah. It, How do you it, get the government to not be addicted to using these guys? That, that's a wicked problem because you've got to go through a whole cultural shift. Having, watch Australia, and our celebration of sport and our diminution of anything clever, anything intellectual. We just destroy it, we cut it down. The idea that someone is clever and smart and thoughtful, we hate it. Until we celebrate doing things right and clever, we are not going to build university capacity, we're not gonna build a public sector where, where that's a thing. That's a different wicked problem. But this problem, you've got, there's an inherent conflict of interest in the audit relationship. You're supposed to serve the public interest and you've said that that's virtually impossible, true. You're appointed by the client so you can't bite the hand that feeds you. 
you, the other problem we've got with audit is it's pass fail, tick or cross, and, and yet there should be a continuum. It doesn't mean you're perfectly clear if you get a tick or absolutely terrible if you get a cross. There needs to be grades and, and that hasn't been developed and no one's asking for that. There's not enough impetus. There's not enough understanding of what auditors do. We just trust them. Well, you can't. So how do we explore that? There are so many deep embedded relationships that this is incredibly wicked and no one wants to face the major conflicts and deal with it because it's such a radical change. Uh, so wrapping up this one, um, well, we solved it. Wow. First podcast and we already solved the problem. Yeah. Uh, of course, probably no one's going to implement those things, but we'll have more Senate inquiries and they'll ask questions like, tell us how much you earn because we're really angry and we want the public to get angry as opposed to actually addressing the underlying issues. Uh, thank you for listening. I hope you got something out of this uh, and it wasn't too much of a rant and we will be back soon with something else that we regard as a wicked problem. Bye for now.